So hi, hello, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to wherever you are in the world right now. Uh, welcome to the third edition, the episode three of uh, the Inside Out Effect podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Jakes, uh, from healingthemind.co.uk, and with me today is my co-host, founder of Decoding Pain, uh, creator of the DTO system, and author of the book uh, Decoding Pain, uh, The Emotional Blueprint to Healing Chronic Pain. So good afternoon, Jonathan. Welcome back. Afternoon, How are you Steve. today? How are you? Have you had a good week? I'm very good, very good. Yeah, it's been a really good week. Been busy. People yep. have been listening to the podcast and yep. they've been commenting and reacting and I've had people call up and, 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 and uh, be interested in what we're doing. So yeah. it seems to be working seems to get a message out there which is great yeah I must admit it's been a bit more of a success than I initially thought it I mean I mean we've still got a long 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 way to go and if any of you out there are are listening to this podcast and actually get a lot from it or in and you know people that are that are obviously dealing with the issues that we discuss then please share and uh, and 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 subscribe to the podcast on YouTube but also please share it on Facebook and LinkedIn and other places as well which we're releasing because I think the more people that hear this uh, the better and the whole idea of this really is to get this information out there because there's a lot of misunderstandings and misconceptions which we've spoken about and today obviously we're going to be speaking about one of them in particular yes depression yeah yes so big 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 misunderstanding about depression yeah so so this today's podcast is actually named or we're going to call this one uh how to remove solve and heal depression now this is part one of two parts, funnily enough. Yeah. Uh, but this is part one, and uh, we're going to be doing this over two parts because uh, I think what we've come to realise is that it's such a big uh, spectrum of information and causes that causes it. And do you want to elaborate yeah, it's, on that? It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a big thing. There's a lot of information that, that, that people don't know about it that we could cover. Uh, but I, I could talk about depression all day to you. That would bore you to tears. You'd be depressed. We, we, yeah, we just, yeah, you'd be depressed with it, basically. <laughs> yeah. um, we just want to give you the most vital information, teach you the myths behind it, and then teach you the exact steps you need to take to solve it. So there are a set of steps you need to take, which we're going to cover in part two. But before we get to that, you need to understand the actual reason why depression is there, not what the traditional medicine tells you. And you need to know the myths behind it and some of the beliefs that get created that you you may be believing right now that are actually perhaps stopping you from solving your depression because of what you believe or the myth that you've been or told. What you've been taught or told. Or what you've been or, taught yeah, or told. absolutely. And they stop you from healing it. And the lack of understanding as well can stop you from healing it because you believe it's not possible. Yeah. But if we can dispel those myths, give you a different viewpoint of it, and then in the second podcast that we do, show you the exact steps that you need to take. Obviously, we can't reach through the podcast and do it for you, but we can show you exactly what you need to do so that then if you then decide to do it, you can then find the right people or the right person to help you resolve those things. But in the second podcast, the, the, the exact steps we're going to walk you through is exactly what we do with our clients to get them out of depression, and it's exactly how we solved our own depression. Yeah, absolutely. And the other thing as well is I know I know some of you that might be listening, I'm just going to sort of preempt it, is that um, that you might think, oh, well, if I'm not going to get the solution now, then, you know, I'll wait for the second podcast. This is really important that you listen to this information because fundamentally the majority of people are stuck or have beliefs around depression, um, which keeps them with it for a long period of time. And so what we're going to do is we're going to untangle that, aren't we? We're going to literally dissect it in exactly what in the many instances the people are experiencing it. And we're going to dissect it. So getting this understanding of what what we're told and what's really going on is probably really important. And 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 the second podcast will make sense to you. Because if you haven't heard the first podcast, I don't think the second podcast is going to make any no, sense. No, you need to hear the, the, the both for the second part to make sense. Yeah. But we've broken it down so you can digest the information first and then and then take the, the, the second bit in a bit later on. Yeah. But what we're going to do first is we're going to just tell a bit about our story and how we suffered depression, how it affected us, what we learned from it and how we solved it ourselves. Uh, so you can see how all of these beliefs affected us and how all of these myths affected us and the belief systems and learnings, as Steve said, that we yeah. had that caused us to be stuck with it. And and especially me being a therapist for 20 years, <laughs> things I learned, some of the things I learned did not help me solve it. I had to learn new things. And we're going to explain a few things like that and how people can get stuck with it. So we're going to go through our story first and explain how we did it. Yeah, so we also... And then after that, I think we're going to go for the traditional viewpoint of what uh, the common beliefs are and uh, what current um, treatments and 
the uh, I want to say medicine per se uh, view it and how they're you know trying to uh, trying to get you to deal with it and manage it and cope with it. And so we're going to cover all those um, um, as we go through the podcast. So I suppose really um, we, we go back to go starting with our stories. Um, so you, I'll yes, start. Yeah, I'll start. start with, with yours, I'll start, start with mine because mine, like I, uh, I've said on, um, on many uh, instances on other videos and podcasts that I've done is that I was, uh, I had depression for a very, very long time. And in most, and actually I didn't really realize I had it to be quite honest. Um, the reason I didn't realise I had it is because um, I was in, <laughs> I would uh, I was uh, medicating self medicating so I was, ve- I was severely dr- a lot drunk a lot I had uh, a, a very 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 heavy um, cocaine habit as well which um, you know um, which I no longer have and haven't had it for a long long time uh, but the problem I had was is all the time I was doing that it was masking the the, the depression yes. so yeah. so so um, and it wasn't until I uh, really quit. Um, uh, self-medicating that obviously had really the depression really kicked in but I also had many many ch- I had loads of childhood traumas many childhood traumas um, I've also been victim to uh, lots of stuff that had happened to me through my businesses through my work colleagues through relationships through um, you know uh, breakups um, not seeing my children my son going to being taken to another country um, my business partners um, you know um, well, I'm going to say in the nicest way possible Letting me down. Yeah. Um, I could say it in a lot nastier way. Yeah. But you know, the theft of money from me and, and business and all the rest of it. So so a lot of it I had, I had a lot of stuff going on and and uh, I decided that I need I, I knew that I needed to do something about it, so I tried everything. I mean I went out I Why did you decide you need to do something about it? What what was the what was the promises? Because before you didn't want to do anything about it, you were drinking, doing drugs, yeah. and you, you did you, you just were stuck. Yeah. What was it that made you tip over and go, Well I, I I've got to do something now? Well what happened was, mate, uh, is, uh was um, I went through a whole episode of uh, my business failing, um, my business partner uh, I want to be so careful what I say, but my business paid a little walking out on me. The people that work for me screwing me over, stealing my money, stealing my business, stealing my clients, blah blah blah, stealing my staff, uh, sabotaging everything that I basically did. And then I basically tried to stand on my own two feet uh, without those people. And it was basically it was so badly damaged that I was fighting. You know, I was actually I don't even know to be quite honest how I even managed to exist for the period of time I did because it was so corrupted and so bad. But um, I decided after about two years that uh, that I no longer wanted to do it anymore. I was like, you know what, I, just, I can't do this anymore. So and I was due a spine operation. And um, anyway, I had the spine up and I was looking after my son. And uh, the only thing that I had left was uh, my little boy, Roots, and um, my, ex, my ex-partner. And uh, she just come home one day on my birthday pretty much and said, uh, uh, I'm leaving, I'm going to Ireland and I'm taking your son. And that was the last thing I had left. You know, I'd lost my house, lost my business, lost my car, lost, my, lost everything, everything, everything. She literally every, lost everything. Every single thing, vanished. every single thing. No, it was everything. My money, uh, my friends, um, just everything. Everything just seemed to vanish from me. And it didn't matter how hard I tried and it didn't matter how good a person I was being, I was just under attack. It was just, I just, they were coming so quickly that I actually couldn't get over the first trauma before the second one was coming. And then the second one coming, and then the first one I'd been, I'd forgotten about, and it was really bad, but I didn't have time to deal with the first one, so I had time to deal with the second one. Then the third one came along, then the fourth one came along, then the fifth one came along, and it was just like a torrent of stuff that went on for about a year. I, I can't, I can't really tell you how, how hard that was. It was really difficult. Yeah. It was a real test. Uh, but anyway, uh, and the only thing I'd left really was my boy. And uh, once the, once my, uh, the the because I quite I accumulated quite a bit of wealth, but once that once that had gone supporting my family and supporting the staff that I had with my business, once that had gone, um, um, then you know it wasn't long. So before. what happened once it once it all gone? What happened? Well, she left, took my son to Ireland, and then I was basically left on my own on my birthday, and right. I was just, do you know what? I've had enough of this. If this is what life's all about, because I was—I like to think of myself as a really good, kind, positive, caring person, very generous. Um, I've got my faults or had my faults. Uh, a lot of them. Everyone has faults. Yeah, I've a lot of them. I've, I've, no, I don't have anymore. Um, but uh, but I actually just wanted to end my life, and I would spend three, three. I would spend about three to four weeks in bed, and the only time I'd get out would be to eat and go to the toilet. And I actually physically couldn't get out because of the pain that was going on in my stomach, right around my stomach area. Right. And so uh, I just wanted to end my life. And uh, anyway, I went. I even went and told my mum. I said, "Look, mum, Dad, I don't. I'm not being emotional. I'm not being a victim. But 
I'm tapping out of the game. I'm out of the game. I need to get out of the game because I, I, I just don't long, no longer want to be here. Anyway, that's what happened to me. And then I decided that uh, that wasn't the right move. And, um, and I then decided to try and change the way that I felt. I knew that if I could change the way that I felt, I wouldn't want to end my life. And But I knew that I was feeling so bad. It was so bad. I mean, I can't tell you how difficult that was. So um, I then uh, went and uh, I, I watched the video. I started looking on YouTube, found out about NLP, done that, got my master's in that. Uh, I then went and uh, did loads of uh, work with Joe Dispenza, and um, who's you know for those of you who know him, he's, who's a leading doctor and behavioural therapist and neuroscientist, and and so I worked with him, and then I also uh, did uh, counsellor training. I went and met Noya, and uh, also done. So I did a lot. I was I did everything. So you did a lot of things. <laughs> I did a lot of and things. And you actually yeah. went really deep because NLP and. And the Joe Dispenza stuff, that's actually yeah. quite deep stuff. Yeah, that's I, actually proper good healing techniques. Yeah, the other, and the meditation stuff, I, was, I spent I spent so many hours in meditation and, and practicing meditation. And, and the other things was that I was doing was, uh, I mean, I locked myself in my house for two years. Right. So from uh, pretty much uh, April 2016 to April 2018, I virtually left my house other than to go to the supermarket. I wow. occ- very occasionally I went out. But I actually sat in my house for two years in front of the TV learning every single thing. So I self-taught myself. And I, I and that's what has been a massive benefit to me because I haven't been gone through a system. No. So I found out from all the leading experts and all the people that I actually did work with. So I did workshops with these, you know, some people, but, you know, uh, that, that was a big help for me because what I ended up was is I wasn't polluted with other perceptions and beliefs about... From traditional medicine, from traditional, you didn't have that whole traditional viewpoint. Absolutely, I didn't have any right. from the traditional viewpoint. Right. So I went in saying, "I need to sort this out and do this for myself." And the other thing as well is, is the reason I had to do it myself is because I've been through counselling, I've done CBC, I've done NLP, I'd worked with all of these top people, and none of it would worked. Basically, what had happened is it was a lot. It was a big distraction, right? Because at the end of that two years, I ended up being exactly back where I was. It was about two and a half years. And I then, uh, a friend of mine, I was taken to the airport, they mentioned a programme that they'd done with a friend of ours, uh, Gregory uh, Reboot, and um, I just thought to myself, I was in a meditation, and so it's just phone him, just phone him. So I rang him, um, and uh, I said to him, if this don't work, three times I said to him, and we, we do talk about it, I said three times to him, if this doesn't work, I'm, that's it for me. Because I've done everything. There's nothing else out there. It's, it's everything. It's, it's just a waste of time. I'm not prepared to carry on living like this. It's just, you know, you can call me selfish, whatever. I'm just, I was in, I just, it just life, no point. You're no done. point. Done. I was done, done yeah. yeah. So, um, so I've done all of that and luckily so you, enough. So you did the reboot. I did, and that. And how'd that help? Massive. Massive help. Right? Huge. So was that the first thing that massively helped? Um, yeah, that. Re- so what basically happened was it reconnected me to who I was, and that was a really, really good thing. But the, 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 the but and it did help. And now, but there was still lots of issues from my past that obviously I was still carrying because it. So the, the trauma from your past was still left. All so of it, them. It reconnected you. Yeah, it reconnected. Which was great. Me. Yes. But then you still had all this past trauma that was running. Yes. And how was that affecting you then? What? Uh, so you weren't necessarily depressed uh, anymore, but. What was it? Well, I would. I'd pop in and out of the. You'd pop in and out of depression. Yeah, so but I'll tell you what. It was bad, but you just pop in. I'd and pop out in and out of it, and 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 the and so, um, what, what what was really difficult was is I couldn't maintain maintain it, and I had stuff going on for me all the time. I was always getting pulled back to memories, thoughts, beliefs, emotions, and stuff from the past, and so, right. um, so yeah, so uh, I suppose the best way to put it was uh, I'd have days where I felt like I, I was at a dementor. You know, we mentioned right. that in a yeah. like, Dementor from Harry Potter. Part, just yeah. on me, sucking me dry, and I, I couldn't move. I just, just, it's, you know, I just, yeah, that's what it felt like. Like yes. all the em- happiness and energy just left me, and I couldn't focus and I couldn't function. And then, um, yeah, so anyway, um, obviously, then I started working with you. Um, through Greg, I met you and started working with you. And then ultimately, uh, you introduced DTO to me and kind enough to, to work with me and um, yeah and then over a period of time it was probably not a great deal of time to great be perfectly honest it was no. probably about three or four uh, months I suppose uh, overall um, but what happened is we went to all of our past events and then switched off all of the emotional um, uh, beliefs uh, feelings that I had of basically and the memories all of the things because what, what I'd learned was 
is that um, I was making it all about me. I took it all personally. It's like a poor me, poor me victim. Oh, everybody's done this to me and I feel bad and I can't do anything about it and life's terrible and and I really went into a victim mindset and 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 that obviously doesn't work for me. And um, yeah, and I just needed to, what I learned from yourself and doing the details by healing and forgiving those people the healing was forgiving the people yeah. for what they did, but not forgiving them for them, but forgiving them for me. And as soon as yeah. I'd done that, wow. Yeah. I mean, it was like, it's, I say to people when we talk about uh, what we do, about what we do, it's permanent and instant. Well, it was permanent and instant because it was just, you know, I can remember finishing some sessions and it felt like I'd flown up 20 lifts, 20 flights on a, on an elevator because I just felt so amazingly free every and every session it done that to me and then before you know it you're out of depression you don't even you can't even remember what it's like or what you was even depressed about because yeah. you can't go back to the memory because they've gone because they've gone that's the, right. memories, oh, the memories are there but the emotional the emotional response behind it is just completely and, gone and you see it differently don't you you see the memory differently completely. your perception of the memory yeah. has changed it doesn't matter anymore. or it's fading in the background yeah. and you can't really see that anymore yeah um and yeah. and uh, sometimes other techniques do get that response, but sometimes there's a glitch yeah. in in them not finding the root of it or not not understanding where it's coming from. Um, uh, and so, and a lot of people they've tried what they've tried loads of different things that you've tried and I tried loads of things in yeah. my story of depression, which I'll go through briefly in a second. Tried lots of things that didn't really work until uh, I found this this little simple DTO system. Yeah, it's genius. Um, but since but but. Out of that, what you so you learned that you were being a victim to it. You yes, were, you were blaming. Yes, um, poor me. Poor um, has everyone done this to me? And you um, I was unlucky. God hated me. Right. Um, you yeah. know all of this stuff. And that's uh, all. I couldn't things. change it. And that's all terrible things that people go through. They blame. They de- they deny. They excuse. Yeah, make excuses. Um, they oh, don't, full of they, excuses. It's always it's something external. It's never about themselves. Yeah. Uh, and you learn also that actually it's your response to the problem. That's, yeah, well, it's your what, response to your memories. Yeah, it's your response to to what's happened in your past, not actually what's happened. Yeah, correct. Because you can get caught up in oh, it's because of what happened to me, and you probably did get caught up in that. But what you said, you got caught oh, up in, in that victim mode. Yeah. But actually, it's your response yeah. to what happened. Well, that's to what you. I learned. I learned that. Hang on a minute. All of these feelings are just things that I've made up in the moment. Yeah. If you know what I mean, yeah. but those responses have accumulated to get me into a point of just you know, of being sucked by the dementor. But when yeah. I look at it, it was just all me making it, taking everything personal and if going you take it all personally. That's the main problem. We personally. take it personally when we have yeah. a specific type of uh, shock. We take it personally. Yeah, made everything all about me, made it all personal, and then wondered why yeah, I was feeling the way I did. And and then obviously what I also learned was is once I'd cleared the first. Well, after the first treatment I had, once I knew what had happened, and I said this in cause and effect, I went upstairs and spent about three days and switching stuff off. That's right. Yeah, you and, got really uh, excited. You went, I'm going to change things. Let's do it now. Because no, I was in such a bad place. I mean, That's I can't. Right. I really, really can't tell people how bad yeah. I was. I mean, I know people get, but I was, I mean, I... I, I well, I, I met you a few months before you did Rebo, and I, I saw where you were. Yeah, I was in the pet and, and you were just not. I mean, you just. I mean, to the man you are now, yeah. you're a completely different person. Yes. You changed dramatically. Yeah. And not that you was a bad person, but you were just really stuck. You were down. You was in pain. You were suffering. I was in the pain. You was in that victim mode, yeah. and and reboot really brought you out of that mode. And then since you came out of that, we could then do. DTO and bring you yeah, clear absolutely. the past yeah. and trauma but it kind of snapped you out which was brilliant yeah and the thing that I got from it was is I learned that um, that that basically that all of the negative feelings that I had and negative responses and negative thoughts and negative beliefs can actually just be changed instantly yeah you can actually change them and so that was a massive massive thing because not only did it change my perception of the world it changed my whole viewpoint of people it changed my whole internal state and, instantly and, my internal yeah. emotional state was just instantly changed and and it's like um, it's just going up a level whoop, very quickly and you stay there and up another level and then up a level and every time you do it it's just a, sometimes I go up 10 levels on yeah. some things and some things I go up on one level and that's that's a big learning because a lot of people they believe you can't change your thoughts and you can't change your emotions yeah. so they just live with them and get stuck with yeah. them and you learn oh no wait a minute I can and as soon as you learn that you got excited <laughs> and like I'm going to change everything now <laughs> yeah um, uh, which is great because I get that with a lot of clients. They, yeah. they once they learn how simple the technique is, they want to go off and do it themselves. Which yeah. is brilliant. Yeah. But it's that learning that it can be done. It's not something the mind can can logically grasp hold of until you experience it. But once you experience it, 
you can kind of go, oh, wow, I can finally change the thoughts. Because when you're having depression, uh, a lot of thoughts that I was having when I was having it were crazy. Yeah, they, they, they were really do lally thoughts. And that's one of the blocks that a lot of men certainly have that I see. They don't want to... Um, Deal I, with know, depression. I, I was having arguments with myself of when I was going to end my life. Well, how are you going to do it? We're going to do it like that. No, you're not. You're going to do it like that. I was having conversations like that. Yeah. I really was. Yeah, yeah, the brain does really weird things and it can create all sorts of things and you can make up things that sound really nuts and crazy. <laughs> yeah. And you can also become, and you can feel that you're crazy. So a lot of men don't want to deal with the thoughts because they think they're crazy. They don't understand them. So they think nobody else is going to understand them because they think they're going nuts. And I've had a lot of men say that to me when they finally you know, get up the courage to come to me. They they think they're going nuts. They didn't want to express it. You're not going nuts. You're fine. It, it's a process. It's a yeah, program. I, I, I sort of also had a belief that, well, yeah, I'll do it, but you can't help me. Cause, and yeah. I did know that. Yeah. And, I, and that's what I remember. But then it wasn't until like the first time that I had it, then all of a sudden I thought, hang on a minute. If you can diff... Now all of a sudden, once I'd done that first treatment, then I had, uh, I had so much belief that it was possible because I instantly felt the internal state change and then yeah. it didn't take long for my brain to work out hang on a minute this is you can you can literally do anything you can use this for anything you can literally <laughs> do anything, anything yes, but can. we're going to talk about depression now so so yeah, so, yeah anyway so, so, so I, I created all my problems anyway so the one thing was is that i was i'd created all my problems um i was trying to blame everybody else for them uh, and once i took ownership that i'd created all of my problems and uh changed it changed all the negative thoughts to for taking responsibility for them then that instantly was the first step in solving the problem yeah. so for me the first step of the problem is stop breaking excuses stop blaming stop playing poor me stop and, and take, take responsibility take because, responsibility yeah yes. and stop taking it personally yeah just stop taking personal it personally that's it's the first step personal. and then finding it doing feels it. very personal it really does feel personal yeah. we get that but it's not personal but that's the and cause. once you change it once you change your perception you'll realise it's not personal yeah. and a lot of people when they do that or when we do that with people they laugh because once their perception changed, they realised how silly it was. Yeah, yeah, with. And, and they're true. laughing at their own stuff. We're not laughing at them. Yeah. I mean, we, we find it funny as well with yeah. our own stuff. Yeah. Uh, some of the perceptions I've had have been mental. And I looked at it and gone, that was nuts. That was crazy. Um, you know, and, and um, but um, when I do it with clients, they, they go, once you heal, you switch off their response, they go to a place of laughter because it is so silly deep down. Mm. And once the negative emotional response is gone, you just feel silly. You, I've, I've you feel, find I've it funny. Some, I've had some, when we've cleared some, some stuff with me from the past, I mean, I've actually been giggling for about an hour after you've finished the treatment. Well, you do, you go to I a can't stop giggling, I can't stop laughing. I'm like, what am I laughing yeah. at? Oh, I don't yeah. know. But it's a really lovely feeling, I've got to say. It's a really good and, feeling. And that, that's it's really, like a natural, it's such a natural high. It's a natural it's high. It's so, oh, it's lovely. And that, that's that's something very different about, about uh, doing DCO. There's lots of things that I learned, so... Uh, my story with depression is a bit different from 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 Steve's. Uh, I I I didn't suffer it anywhere near as bad as yeah. you did. Um, uh, my first experience with depression was when I was in my twenties and I had a nervous breakdown. And I was depressed for six months. I knew nothing about therapy and I was very lucky. Uh, I would go to work. I'd come home. I'd be down. Yeah. I had no social life. Nothing. No girlfriend. So I just watch TV. Go to bed. Go to work the next day. And after about six months, it kind of lifted. So in that first response, I was lucky. That was the first time it happened to me. The second time it happened to me, I was a therapist at this point, and I'd learned some things already. And I'd learned how to find the root cause of depression. And I found myself down and low for about three weeks. And even though I was helping people when I knew what it was, I was still stuck for three weeks, yeah. thinking the world's not worth living, there's no point being here. Yeah. Even though I knew what was, I knew how to find it and cause it. I still went into that place because it feels very, very real. Even if you know the information, and I knew it from a different perspective, not counselling or psychotherapy. I knew it from a, a place of something called meta health, which I'd learnt, which shows how different shocks cause depression and other illnesses. But specific shocks cause depression, which we're going to get into in part two. But I learnt that. But still, while I had it, yeah. I was, I still felt the world was in it, and I couldn't. It's function. a horrible place. I it? couldn't think straight. And I remember three weeks into this going, this is ridiculous. I literally slapped myself around the face. <laughs> I literally did that. And I imagined stepping out of myself so I could think logically. Yeah. And within about 20 minutes of finding the moment that created it, the depression had lifted. And in that moment, everything I learned, then I realised I, I did on myself. I was doing it on other people, but I was like, well, that's the answer. That's, that's an answer. But for me, it wasn't the total answer. So I've learned in my experience that you clear shocks and you clear trauma. 
And I'll explain more of that when we get to part two, obviously. But after that moment, I did kept dipping in and out of depression every minute. When certain things happened, I never went really suicidal. Mm-hmm. I would go low sometimes and ball, but uh, I, I would just feel low. I sort of kind of lost my joy a little bit in life. I kind of lost my 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 ability to laugh or just smile for no reason. Yeah, it's exactly. My, my joy I'm went saying. away. Absolutely, and it wasn't really really deep. It's just I I was. I was just sort of walking round. I'd lost my sense of humour. I'd kind of lost who I used to be. And I didn't quite know where that had come from. Even though I knew there were shocks and trauma, there were lots of shocks and trauma, and there were lots of triggers. And it was difficult for me to find the triggers. Uh, it, no, so it wasn't difficult for me to find it. It was just difficult to try and clear all the triggers because there were so many for me. Yeah. That was a problem. For some people, you clear a few triggers and they're gone. But for more complex people like myself and Steve... You can have multiple, multiple triggers. And I was working through them, and it just wasn't... Uh, and I was clearing a trigger and then getting triggered more. It was ridiculous. And so I had to... to I I sat myself down, and, and as I worked with people, I realised what was happening. And this is where I got my biggest learning, because for me, clearing shock, just shocks and trauma and triggers wasn't cutting it, even though that works great with lots of people. There's something else you have to do. And when I realised this, that has now brought me to a place where I'm just constantly fine yeah I, I'm, I'm not depressed yeah but I don't get that excitement the joy because you don't have that that's not normal that excitement and happiness that's a that's a that's actually a, a minor stress state that's not real yeah um, that nor, most people just walk around just feeling okay just feeling generally happy within themselves and content yeah. and yeah I think we misconstrued happy from the uh, uh, from the over the stress state version of happy where yeah, we get yeah. emotional where you get heightened happiness you get a heightened happiness that's yeah. actually a state of excitement exhilaration yeah, exactly, but that yeah. excitement exhilaration doesn't happen doesn't last that's not a normal te- constant no, constant people are happy they're just content yeah and I've always wanted to get to that happy content place yeah. and th- this process that I I stumbled upon um, that th- instead of clearing shocks and trauma as Steve said is a place of forgiveness when you get to a place of forgiveness that is when you you're forgiving the other people you're forgiving yourself it's not something you do logically. You can't just go, oh, I forgive now. It's, no, actually, is, but- it's actually a process I've developed and worked through. And once I start doing it on me and Steve and other people, that is when uh, the 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 that just contentment just kicked in. Yeah, the forgiveness and I'm thing. Con- continually content with what's happening around me. Yeah, the forgiveness thing is really important because. I had this misconception of, uh, you know, I used to a lot of spiritual teachings and all the rest of it. And yeah, uh, and they'd say, oh, you need just to forgive. And I'd think to myself, okay, well, I'm going to think about that. Okay, well, do you know what? I've forgiven you, right? Yeah. And I would just literally say, okay, right, fine. Well, I'm saying it and I'm thinking it. So I'm going from the conscious part of the brain of forgiveness. What I... And the problem is, <laughs> is that you do that and you actually really believe you forgive them. I speak to people, oh, no, I've forgiven him for that. And then you ask them a very simple question, they get triggered by it. Well, you, yes. haven't, you have not forgiven that person for No, that. if you still, so if if you you still, still get triggered by it, or as an emotional response, or a yeah. negative thought, you yeah. haven't actually forgiven. Yeah, and that's what I learned from this process, is that everybody that I'd convinced, I'd convinced myself and everybody else that I had forgiven them, and actually I hadn't forgiven them at all. I just, and, I just stopped thinking about the... I just stopped, if I stopped thinking about them, and I uh, suppressed the emotional response, then I've forgiven them, because yeah, I'm no longer feeling right. it. Yeah. And, it and that's what a lot of people do. Yes. And, and when I talk about forgiveness, I mean something very specific. It's not your traditional viewpoint of forgiveness. No, it's not. Um, and that's a bit difficult to explain, but we'll go more into that in part two of what that means means and the process that we go through uh, but once but that was a missing piece for me and for some challenging clients that I work with because a lot of clients with depression actually it's quite simple to solve with the great respect you've been suffering for a long time I'm not putting it down but actually a lot of people I see with depression you can solve it quite simply by clearing a few triggers a few shocks and depression heals but if you're a bit more complex like me and Steve we've had lots of shocks lots of triggers you have to do something a bit deeper and and we want something that's permanent that's going to last so you don't get re-triggered and this forgiveness process that I've created with DTO allows you to do that and you just go to that constant place yeah, of contentment it's amazing peace it's amazing place. And, and, I love it. and you're just uh, you're not going up and down like yo-yo yeah. uh, so you just wake up feeling happy you just live life you get more energy as well you get because more energy you are more energy because yeah. all the energy that's being used up in the subconscious uh, with the emotions of the past and no, you're, you're sort of liberating them yeah you are you're, you're you liberating the energy for yourself yeah. yes. you feel lighter and for me there's just like this cool breeze around me a lot of the time there's like a just a cool breeze that I'm feeling as I'm as I'm just moving through life and don't get me wrong me and Steve are still shifting things and clearing things um but as we clear more things, 
then we just feel more of a cool breeze. We've just thought that contentment and peace yeah. just... Because now I have this system. This system's only been created in the past five years. Uh, so I'm shifting things. I previously couldn't shift with other techniques, and I tried everything. I tried counselling. I tried EFT. I tried theta healing, matrix re-imprinting, um, multiple other techniques, you CBT, know, meditation. CBT? My actual physical therapist was a CBT counsellor, and he did that yeah. on me. So that's the bit of counselling I did. Yeah. And it kind of worked, and it would go away for a little bit, then come back. And there was a, a deep issue I was wrestling with, and I struggled with that as yeah. well. I even went down the medication route. Yeah, you know, I, I, I did for a little while. That, but for a, a little lot while. of my clients have. Yeah, yeah. And that didn't help one bit for me. No, it's awful. Well, I mean, sick. <laughs> sometimes medication has an easy effect. Sometimes it works a little while and then, and then comes back. One of my clients, yeah. and she was a lovely girl. I, I, I maybe I mentioned this on the anxiety one, but I, I mention this story a lot because it really hit home to me the problem in this world. And the power, if you know what to do to change it, and I'm not saying me and Steve are the only ones who know how to change it because we're not. There's lots of great practices out there. But the, the, it's the lack of knowledge that people have that it can be changed, which me and Steve are trying to, to correct. Yeah. But this one young girl came to me, and bless her, her boyfriend brought it to me, and she was suffering depression. And she's had it for years since she was eight, and she's now like 21, 22. And she'd been at uni. The medication was no longer working. She'd come home, and she was desperate. And she was totally sceptical and she came to me and after the first session she looked up with a big grin on her face and said, is this what happiness feels like? Yeah. And I pretty much burst into tears uh, with her because to me, for someone who was in her early 20s and hadn't experienced, ha- experienced happiness since she was eight... To me, was tragic. Yeah, it's tragic. That was appalling. Yeah. Yeah, uh, but she's now absolutely fine. After six sessions, she's fine. Depression's got. You no, know, she's doing great. She's creative again. No more depression. She's she's living her life again, and she's functioning life again. And so, so I've always been uh, uh, an advocate in showing people you can solve and heal the problem. Yeah. Um, and it's just we need to dispel these myths and these beliefs about depression. So we're gonna. Now we can't express where we were and how yeah. we were stuck, and and we were stuck in different ways. Yes, um, uh, it's also could, debilitating. It's life crippling. It's it just totally it's it's life because it affects being in relationships. It affects for me. It affected me around my mum and dad and everything, and, and how I was with them, and it affected me in relationships. And uh, yeah, well, we'll go on to that. I think in a little bit later on, and how that how that how the effects are. Because yeah. I know for me personally, um, it got to the point where I become so isolated and alone for two years that you know that it's, it's a crazy place to be. So yeah. so anyway, what we're going to do now is we're going to talk a little bit about the traditional viewpoint of medicine. And so, um, and I know you've um, been doing some look, looking into this, Jonathan, so I'm just wondering whether you'd like to, to start really with um, what, what, what the traditional viewpoint of medicine is and some misunderstandings and misconceptions about it. Okay, so, so the, the big misconception in traditional medicine is the main thing is whenever you have a problem, regardless of whether it's depression or not, the main misconception of the medical profession is that we're broken and we're damaged in some way. And that's because they see us as mechanical. Um, and when you look at the body as mechanical, that's not really strictly accurate. Yes, there are mechanical parts to us, but they're actually controlled by something else. And because they think we're mechanical, they try and fix us mechanically. And if something's broken, they believe it can't be fixed. So um, traditional, um, uh, and the same way with trauma, you think if you've been traumatised, you can't fix it. It's the same thing. It's You're stuck with it. Yeah. And that's because of the way they view the body. And I, I want to explain to people... Um, how medicine came up with their theory of the body because people don't understand this um now this is really important because once you understand this you'll realize actually the way they're treating people doesn't make sense uh, so medicine took its theory of how the body works from science so in the 1600s isaac newton uh, discovered gravity and before he did that there were two camps there was two scientific camps. One camp said that the world is mechanical and the other camp said it's energetic yep. and that science would fight over it. But when Isaac Newton discovered gravity, uh, that kind of confirmed the world was mechanical and all the energists went, oh, well, it's mechanical, so it's mechanical. So they all went, it's mechanical. And then doctors at that point went, you know what? If the world's mechanical, then humans must be mechanical, so we'll treat you like you're mechanical. And that's where doctors got their theory of the body and how they then treat you. But that was in the 1600s. In the 1800s, 
I, uh, no, Einstein came 1900s along. 1900s actually. Ni- well, 1885, yeah, 1900, yeah, something right. like that. It was, 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 uh, so the, when basically they split the atom open and at that point the atom was the smallest thing in the world and because the atom was like a small ball bearing whatever it was everyone thought it was mechanical yeah. but when they split it all they found was a bunch of energy inside yeah. so they realised if the atom's made of energy then everything is made of energy everything starts with energy and since that time since Einstein proved that and the other scientists around that time proved everything's made of energy doctors then were able to develop CT machines, CT scans, MRIs. And all of those things that they use to diagnose you are actually reading your energy field because they're born out of the science that states we're energy. Yes. So so when you have an X-ray on a bone, it's actually reading the vibration of the bone. Yeah. It's reading the energy of it. When yeah. you have a CT scan on your brain, it's reading the vibration of it. You're not seeing anything solid. Yeah. It's not a photograph. You're not seeing the actual bone. You're seeing the vibration. And that's born out of the science that it's energy. Well, everything in this universe, as far as I'm aware, is energy vibrating at frequ- different frequencies, and therefore gives it different density. That's right. So when they x-ray your CT scan, they're seeing the frequency that your brain or your body parts vibrating at. Okay. So they, tri- they diagnose you energetically. But they still treat you with mechanical treatments as if you're mechanical. Now, I'm sorry, I, I don't care how intelligent you are or how smart, there is no way anyone can tell me that makes logical sense. Yeah. Why is it logical? And I've asked loads of people, no one has ever said it's logical, that they diagnose you mechanic, uh, energetically, but they still treat you mechanically. That's where they're coming from. That's their more. That's how medicine was created. And so when they come up with their reasons for depression, which are sometimes abuse and sexual trauma, which they believe can't be turned off, um, medications they believe affect it, conflict can create it, death or loss, genetics, uh, major events in your life, uh, other personal problems and serious illness and substance abuse. These are some of the main things that are listed as creating depression. But a lot of these things are viewed as mechanical or, or or things that are stuck because we're mechanical that can't be solved. Whereas if you now look at it and go, well, all of those things are energetic, everything, even the substance abuse, the medication, the trauma, the genetics, yep. the major events, all of that is energetic. If you look at it like it's energy and go, right, so everything's made of energy, we're made of energy, now you can work out how do you change the energy? Yep. What changes the energy? And that is what we're going to discuss in part two. We're going to discuss how you change the energy of the problem and what sort of energy you're looking for, because it's not just general energy. And everything they list here, conflicts, death, loss, uh, major events, personal problems, that's too general. There's actually a very specific type of block in the energy that creates depression. And once you know that very specific block and you have a way to change it, which is DTO, then you can start switching off depression and you can start healing and getting back to normal. But it's recognising that we're not mechanical, we're energetic. It's been proven by science. Uh, uh, The science of mobile phones and smartphones and tablets, that's all that comes from energy. That all comes from science of energy. Everything we do now comes from that science of Einstein and everything's made of energy. We just need to change the way we are treating it. And there are some techniques out there that do treat the energy like the things we discussed, EFT, NLP, but they don't quite have the analysis of the actual root cause of the energy. Well, it's still a bit more of a symptom management thing rather than the cause. Yeah, and they're not quite getting to the root of the unconscious to switch it off in some people. So in some people it worked, but for me it wasn't working. And I was doing EFT on some, it was working great, and others it wasn't working. For me, it didn't solve my whole problem. That's because, not because EFT doesn't work. EFT is a brilliant technique. But for me, it wasn't getting to something in my unconscious. And I wasn't being taught what that thing was. So I had to discover it for myself. I had to find out what the missing piece in my brain was. And the DTO system has helped me see the brain in a different way and see what blocks us in a different way. And that's what's allowed me to heal my depression and, and other people that previously were very, very stuck. Yeah. And we discuss that in part two. But that's basically the way traditional medicine yeah. view it. I mean, there is a lot of myths around it because in some cases I read that it's a disease and uh, that you've got it, like bit like anxiety, that you've got it or you have it, uh, you have to live with it, uh, for yeah. example. Um, and uh, it's who you are. 
You know, there's nothing you can be done. It's part of your identity, um, the chemical imbalance in the brain. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, there's a lot of common myths around it. And as you well yeah. know that actually, that if you're going to view it from that perspective, then you're going to be stuck with it. Yeah, if you view it from that perspective, especially two of the main ones in there are it's your identity. So when you have something for a long time, depression certainly, but any, any illness it can kind of, you feel like it's who you are. Yes. And although that feels really real, I guarantee that's not who you are. If you were not born with this problem, it is not who you are. Yeah. It's something that you've, that's been created in you like a program in a very basic level. It's like a program in, in, a, in, a, in a computer. It's like software program to your hardware and you're running this program. Yes, when you've had something for a very long time, one of the things I have to do is switch off this feeling that's your identity because people can be frightened to let it go because they don't know who they're going to be without it. And that is a real block. But it is just a block. It's not real. And I know me logically saying that to you, you're you're going to kind of not get it totally. And you can't logically. It's something you have to just work through and clear. Well, I think there's something we spoke about earlier on before the programme, before the show, so to speak, was uh, the fact of seeing things through the filter. Yes, that's right. And, and, and I think the problem and the issue that many people that have with anxiety, with depression, is that when they are trying to solve their problem with it, they can only see the problem through it. And so right. you can't, you'll never find the solution ever. And no, no, you can't solve it. So when, when you have... Uh, and it's the, not who you are. It's not who you are. It's, it's just, not it's just the are. state. It's, it's a state you're in. But when you have... Uh, the energy block, uh, that create, the type of shock that creates depression, a filter comes down in front of your eyes. With anything, but we're talking about depression. Yeah. And that filter can make you see life... Through. So it's a bit like when you go to opticians and they put that red and green lens on those funny glasses. You now see the letters through the green or the red lens. But when you're seeing the world through that green or red lens, you're seeing a false perception of the world. And that false perception... If you try and heal it from that false perception... You're not actually coming from who you are. Yeah. You're coming from a another version of you, a false version of yeah. you. So when you're coming from a false version of you, if it's not the real you, you can't ever solve it. You can't ever work it out. It's not something you can do logically either. So men listening, you really can't solve this logically. Another big thing, yeah. uh, thing that men like to do is they want to be able to solve it themselves. They think they should be able to solve themselves because we're men. Yeah, and I know uh, who I am, and I understand, and I'm smart, and I'm intelligent, and I know... And, and that's great, guys. You do know you are smart and intelligent, but if I have a leak in my sink, I don't try and fix it myself. I call a plumber. Yeah. If if I if I can't... My car's broken. If I try to fix it myself, I'd damage the car a lot more. Yeah. You know, I, I would cause more damage and cost me more time and money to fix my own car than yeah. if I just take it to a mechanic. But that's sometimes what people do. Certainly men, they, 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 they try and find a solution themselves and in doing so, they go round in circles in their brain and they go inside their heads and when you go inside your head, you then start feeling alone. Yeah. And the feeling of alone can make the depression worse. Well, not only that, it's if you're feeling alone, you start behaving alone, then all of a sudden the people that try and help you, you no longer want. You'll That's no right. longer, you'll reject your partner. You push you'll reject, everyone you push away. everyone away. Then all of a sudden they're going to leave you because they've had, they've had enough of the behaviour. That's right. Now you really are alone. Now you're in yeah. the danger zone because you've got nobody. You've lost everybody. You've lost your job. You can't. And then obviously it just facilitates it, it worse. And it just spirals out and out of control. And the, one, and if, and the thing, I can would like to say really really from the bottom of my heart is guys if you are if you are suffering from depression out there do not try and do this alone for simply that reason is that what you'll do is you'll be on the slow downward decline spiraling down and unless you do find a solution well done if you do but if you carry on trying to solve this yourself you don't know what's caused it uh you will spiral down to the point where I got to where I just had had a complete enough I just wanted to take my life and yeah. there's lots of people that we've heard recently in the news that have taken their life through depression yeah. probably from that exact process so we urge you to don't uh, put your pride to one side and uh, and actually if you really want to solve this you can't do it yourself come and either contact ourselves or get a therapist that can uh, that can yeah. help you and the other sign that, that men the men do a lot and I'm talking about men because me and great Steve are men well we're close yeah. uh, we're part girl but well, I am part girl. Um, but but men also think it's a sign of weakness if they deal with their thoughts and emotions, or if they can't do themselves. They view that as a sign of weakness. Mm. Now that is partly society's uh, 
viewpoint of of what it's like to deal with emotions. Yeah, we got thoughts. Man, it comes. You got yeah. man up, Sam, and, and, and they kind of block it away. But that viewpoint uh, is actually illogical. Surely, if if you can't deal with something, that's that's weakness. That's a sign of weakness and a lack of strength. If you're not able to deal with something, if you're not able to look at how you're thinking and feeling, that's not strength. That means somewhere in your system you're not confident or you're not strong enough, yeah. and and you're feeling weak. It's not true. It just that's how you feel. Yeah. It's not a true thing. It doesn't mean you're not strong or confident. You know, I had that when I was younger. Uh, I I didn't want to look at the things, and I I had something happen to me when I was younger. And I didn't want to go there. I didn't want to look at it because I was frightened to look at it. But a lot of guys, I had one guy come and see me recently, and he was suffering anxiety and depression over some that's been running for a very long time. And he was so nervous about picking up the phone because he was worried about um, me judging him. He was worried about what somebody else would think I get this all him. the time. And, I get this all the and time. If it, yeah, and if it wasn't for one of his mates who literally said, just call him, yeah. he finally built up the courage to call yeah. me. And he was very nervous talking to me. And he was very worried about what I would think because he was judging himself yeah that's what it's about he was just judging that's himself spot on that's all and about if all you're is. worried about feeling weak or looking weak actually it's just because you think you're weak it's not because you're weak it's because you think you're weak nobody else is going to think you're weak and anyone if anyone did if a mate said oh you're weak mate and did that that's because they feel weak as well yeah it's how you're feeling about yourself yeah, and if you're going to value somebody's comment like that over your own health and emotional well-being yeah. then you need to go back and get a rain check and, and I remember the first time I went to my counselling and it was I was in exactly the same thing and I thought you know I've got to do something and I went to my first counselling session and I was bricking it and I was shaking and I was worried and all the rest of it and afterwards I thought why have I spent so long yeah. not doing it? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I quite enjoyed that. Yeah. <laughs> it's quite good. So this guy, this guy, the same thing. He 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 was nervous. His first session, he was nervous. Four weeks later, he's now opening up. He's now telling me things. He he's let go of his guilt and his shame about yeah, things. I know. And his depression has lifted. His anxiety's lifted. He's sleeping better. He's he's more himself. He's feel calmer and more relaxed. The people around him are calm and relaxed so his partner his kids they're more relaxed and people his friends are now coming to him for advice because he's calmer so he's able to advise his friends and the people he loves in a much from a much healthier place and before he was getting angry and he was alienating people was pushing people away they were they were treading on tiptoes around him uh, because they were like, didn't know who was going to be that day. Yeah. Didn't know how he was going to yeah. be feeling. He's going to be angry today. I think and a lot of people out there will connect, will resonate and with that. That's that's what happens. People tiptoe around you because they never know what mood you're going to be in. And that happened with me. Uh, I, one day I'd be kind of okay, and the next minute I'd be fucked off. I'd be <laughs> moody. I'd be angry with the world. Yeah. And I just wanted to punch people. And, and this guy, or it wasn't quite the same, but he was moody and angry. And now people are just coming back to him naturally because he's yeah. calm. Yeah. And within a few weeks, literally this guy has transformed. And he's not totally there yet We got because we did four weeks and we need to do a few more weeks. But in four weeks, this guy transformed from being depressed, anxious, Yo, I can nervous, validate, judgmental, guilty, I shame, can validate that to feeling more peaceful, more calm. Yeah. People asking him for I mean, his soul skin has changed. He looks healthy. He looks more confident. It's actually kind of like a, a miracle to witness his transformation. And that's hard for people to understand, I know. But this guy's had this for 20-odd years. He's been running this. Yeah, and I mean, you been, think about being stuck in that for 20 years and after four, four weeks, he's now nowhere near that. No, he's nowhere you near think, that. He's way, seven, he's 20 70% better. years. 20 years you've been in that state. In that you state. feel sorry for people like yeah, that. Really uh, and he's 70% better in four weeks. So you, do, you think, do you think this is about the beliefs that especially men have or, or around uh, around depression um, you know because I know that men can think that they're going mad or crazy that or they're having random thoughts or yeah. that no one can help them well because or, because the thoughts are crazy sometimes they believe no one's going to understand so no one can help um, but those thoughts you're having aren't the problem that's like a symptom it's not a cause so trying to analyse thought, analyse the thoughts won't work I had a guy like that with panic attacks he, he you know his lovely bloke went on his honeymoon came back with panic attacks and the thoughts he was having were crazy he was going to jump off a bridge he was having these really nasty thoughts and because he thought they were crazy and he didn't understand them he thought nobody else could understand and be able to help but those weren't the cause they were just a symptom of what's actually going on so yeah all these beliefs and and although uh, women are more open to being helped 
they often just go for the wrong help. They, they don't know where to go. We often don't know where to go to get the right help. So if what you've done, ladies, hasn't worked, doesn't mean it's not going to work or heal it. just means you need to find the right solution, which we're going to give you in part two. Exactly what the solution is, exactly what the steps are. But... Um, don't women know they, what they'll do is they'll go and talk about it and they will actually get some temporary relief, relief for a little while right. for four or yes. five minutes or ten minutes or yeah. an hour or whatever and then as soon as they go back into the environment or as soon as they get triggered they get by their husband they get re-triggered that's right and then they go back into depression again that's right and they'll go through this and they feel like but you know not being a woman I would imagine that's really that that can be quite misleading and can keep you trapped well, in a in, in, I, in, I've only been a woman once <laughs> uh, but that was a fancy dress party in fairness um, but I did I did I did yeah. wax me later, yeah. so I was close. Yeah. But, um, but no, I mean, women are much more uh, comfortable generally with talking about things because women are social creatures. Men are very territorial. Women are social creatures, so they learn social skills. Men are territorial. Doesn't mean men haven't learned social skills. That's not what I'm saying. But... But deep down in our chemistry, we are we are hardwired to be territorial. So men are only worried about four walls, their their, their territory. Which so when you is talk about home. men and their social skills, is that bragging about what car they drive and uh, the, well, it's just, know, how it's much just, money they've earned it's just and the men, holidays that they've been on. Yeah, and, men are very territorial. Yeah. They're more like they worried they worried about their work, their four walls, their partner, and their kids. Whereas women are very and and you know not all. All men have social skills. A lot of men do these days, but yeah. some men don't. Whereas women, they're kind of hardwired with that. They're kind of hardwired with social skills because women actually create nests. They they create, they make friends, and they do all these things. I'm not being sexist. This is a, a, a biological response from thousands of years back. And although, yes, the energy has shifted a little bit, and some men are more feminine these days, and some women are more masculine, inherently that's kind of the way we are. Um, whether that's right or wrong is not up for debate. I'm just saying that's the way we are. And uh, so women are more open to dealing with things and men are, are less open to dealing with it. And that's the big problem. That's why depression and anxiety has been talked about so much these days. But still the way they're talking about it is incorrect. They're still thinking like it's something that that is bad and wrong that needs to be that needs to be talked about. But no one's thought about healing it. They're talking about making everyone aware of it. Everyone's saying, let's make everyone aware of it. Let's bring it out in the open. No, let's heal it. Let's switch it off. Let's get rid of it. Because it really can be switched off. It really can be healed. You just need to understand that it's trapped energy. It's not mechanical. You're not broken. You're not damaged. There's nothing wrong with you. You're not crazy. You're not going insane. You're not an emotional wreck. You're absolutely fine. It won't feel like you're fine because you're not being you right now. But if we take those thoughts and emotions and switch them off and show you which ones are the problem, you'll know what the problem is, you'll know the sort of triggers, and you'll know how to change it. But just before we kind of... Well, I was going to say, say, it's like some of the reasons why people won't won't heal it is because of the blocks of the guilts and the shames that they have in their life. That's right. So, you know... um, uh, they will, they will, they will not take steps to heal it and solve it because they either feel guilty or they don't feel good enough or they have a self worth issue or they sh- they have ashamed and so they yes, that's, that's right fundamentally the reason why the, the biggest problem why they won't heal it yeah Steve's absolutely right the biggest problem that people have which is very unconscious it's not always conscious one of the reasons they don't go and get help or they don't want want to get to deal with it is because of shame and guilt and the shame and guilt is a big sabotage for people. And it actually drives the feeling of not being good enough and not being worthy. If you feel guilty about lots of things, you'll feel like you're not good enough to get better or you're not worthy of getting better. And if you feel shame, you're going to actually prevent yourself from talking about things or discussing it because of how you're feeling shame about how you're feeling. You're feeling shame about what people think of you. Or you might feel guilt about what you've done in the past or your actions and behaviours. The truth is we are human beings. We all make mistakes. We all get things wrong, we all muck up, and we all do things that we don't think are right. But the guilt and shame is an illusion. There's a big myth about guilt, which I want to dispel right now, because guilt is one of the biggest problems that drives all all illness. People think that we need to feel guilty to stop us doing that bad thing again. This is a big myth. This does not work. Actually, the opposite is true. If you want to stop the bad behaviour that you did in the past, you'll probably find that you're still doing it. The reason you're still doing it is because you feel guilty. The guilt actually drives 
the same negative behaviour over and over again in your unconscious. So consciously, yes, you want to stop it. But unconsciously, because you feel guilty, you keep replaying it even though you don't want and to. And you keep attracting the same people, the same situations, the same That's outcomes. Right. And you keep, it's like a cycle that goes round and round and round and That's round. Right. And, and the ha- only way to stop it is to actually switch the guilt off. Yeah, because when my switch guilts, when we switched a lot of my guilts off from when I'm from my younger years and stuff, instantly my life changed and instantly new people come into my life and yep. everything just changed overnight for me. It was like it did magically change overnight. And you went back to being a nicer person. Yeah, absolutely. You stopped doing that behaviour. Yeah, didn't correct. You? Yeah, correct. you, you stop doing the behaviour yeah. that you're doing. You start liking yourself again I, because I did, if yeah. you feel guilty, how can you love yourself? People want to love themselves, and actually, what I've learned through doing DTO, and uh, one of the big issues that everyone talks about today is loving yourself. And while I agree that's a big problem, and that's that's part of, uh, can be part of where depression comes from if it's very severe. Uh, actually, what drives that lack of love is feeling guilty. If you feel guilty about lots of things, you feel like you're a bad person, you feel like you're evil or you're dangerous. That is where your lack of love comes from. But that guilt is driving your behaviour. And if you switch it off, you stop doing those bad things, you stop uh, doing bad behaviour, and you start loving yourself. So if you, by switching off the guilt, you know, but not only that as well, if you can overcome the guilt and shame of that, then you're you're on the path to start solving your depression as well. And also, one more thing, the guilt and shame can actually cause you to punish yourself. So you can actually end up punishing yourself and keeping... Which could lead you to anxiety then as well. Yeah, and then you're, you you're beating yourself up and you yeah. can then keep your depression and anxiety because secretly, deep down, you think you deserve it. Now, don't get me wrong, that's a very severe depression case. Yeah, I think there's a, well, and, there's a few people out there may connect to that. Uh, and they may connect to that. that not every, that's not everybody. That's really deep-rooted people. I've had that, you know, I've had, I've had guilt about um, different things and shame about mistakes I've made and that caused me to suffer more than I needed to. That's a really complex person and I do treat quite a few complex people but the general majority of people have depression, it can be solved in a few weeks or a couple of months and it can be switched off quite easily uh, um, and it can be changed reasonably quickly and you can go back to being you. But as we said, guilt and shame is a big block and it's a big sabotage thing for people. So... Is there anything else well, no, in, this, I, in this part? I think we've covered the main things. Is there anything we, else? Well, no, cover? no, not really. I think that um, for those of you that are obviously suffering uh, depression and uh, and you you know you would like to start taking steps to do something about it, um, you can um, contact myself, Stephen, uh, at www.healingthemind.co.uk. Uh, alternatively, you can. Uh, uh, contact Jonathan on uh, decodingpain.com uh, and uh, you can leave, contact us on the inside out or inside out uh, effect at gmail.com you can uh, send us an email all of your information is sent to us with uh, and deal with in confidence and uh, you can basically you know start taking steps to uh, moving out or, or, or living without it or taking steps to remove depression out of your life yeah. um, so um, we are going to do part two next week or, or very soon hopefully in a few days yeah. in a few days and what we're going to do is we're going to give you the solution to uh, this problem yeah. so um, so we are going to give you a solution but in the next part we're going to give you the exact steps are yeah, exactly. a set of yeah. steps and certain things you need to do to solve your depression but we need to clear up these distinctions in this part first we need to clear up the myths and the beliefs and show you what we went through and what other people go through to kind of get you thinking differently to get you to see why you're stuck and get you thinking differently so in part two when we show you the steps you're going to know what to do to heal it and you're going to know what what you need to do to resolve the problem and actually what's causing your depression. We're going to show you on on the next audio exactly what's causing your depression. And then you'll know what it is and then you'll know a, a solution to it. And once you've got that, you can then find someone to help you do it. Find someone to help you work your way through it. And once you do, once you know exactly what needs to be done, your depression will lift. You'll go back to feeling normal again because a lot of people just don't feel normal. They want us to feel normal again. Yeah, I mean, it happens so quickly. That's the thing for me. As soon as you lift it, it happens yeah, so it's quickly. Very quickly. Shoot, I mean, it just, boom, you're back to normal you're again. You're back so, to normal. So, yeah, so that's, thank you very much, Jonathan. It's really, really good, obviously, that we're doing these. I think uh, we're going to do, um, uh, we're going to also cover stress, aren't we? We had a conversation oh. earlier. I think there's a massive misunderstanding about stress. So, after the depression uh, podcast, we're going to be talking about stress, but that'll be not next week, the week after. 
Um, yeah. And uh, what else? What else? What else? Well, yeah, if you are enjoying this, as we said at the beginning, just, just post it out to people you think would benefit from hearing it, who you feel are stuck and they don't want, they don't want it anymore, they want to be free of it. And just, yeah, just, share, share. just share it with people because we just want to get the information out there and get new information out. Because as I said earlier on, there's a lot of talk about it at the moment, but all the talk that I hear about it is just making people aware of it. But they're still making people aware of the wrong problem. Yeah. And they're not saying it can be solved, they're just making you aware of it. And that, that's, more depression, uh, couldn't uh, it? <laughs> and that's and that's okay, but in my world I want to solve things. I'm not into coping and maintaining things. Yeah. You know, I want to get rid of things so I can be me again, so I can feel healthy and happy and confident and I can do the things that I love and interact with people that I love and enjoy. And and that for me, I, I don't believe in suffering at all. I've never have done. And I do believe that one day there will be no suffering in this world and we will have learnt what it means to not suffer and how to be healthy and happy. Uh, I know that that's probably a big claim, but I've, I've always believed that and that's what drives me to to do what I do and help as many people as possible. That's very so, touching, mate. It's a lovely, lovely way place to finish the, yeah, the it's podcast. It's a nice place to it's finish, nice was it? It's a nice place so. to finish. A little that's bit good. of hope and inspiration for the world. Yeah. So thank you very much for listening. Um, and so please join us for the next edition of the Inside Out Effect. Like we said, please share um, and just get the word out there. So yeah. from myself, goodbye. From Jonathan... Uh, from me it's good night and from Steve it's good night is that trademarked I'm not sure don't sue us if you didn't know Uh, it's just a joke good night bye bye